I know y'all been waiting for another episode to drop, dropping it like it's hot. Got another athletic sports, professional sports episode coming your way. Brought to you again by our friends and family, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only, the iconic Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Take Jack with you either to the ballpark because we're we're allowed to go back to ballpark somewhat right now we can go watch live baseball which in my opinion besides ping pong is probably the only sport that i really care to watch live well college wrestling obviously but i'm just not really big into football and i'm not really big into nba but and i also truly feel in my heart and soul that baseball players are the absolute 100 percent bona fide best athletes on earth i mean we they can not we i put myself in there but they can do everything so today you're going to hear a little bit about that but uh today's topic is going to be on the other part of the spectrum my guest you've heard him here on the podcast before I don't know if I call you a relief pitcher, a closer. He's just got the mentality reliever, of a wild. reliever. He's a reliever. It's Caleb Ferguson, Los Angeles Dodgers, defending world champions. What's up, my brother? What up, man? How you doing? Glad to be back on here. Well, it's one of those deals to where I started thinking like uh you've gone through a lot, you know, this what you've adhered, adhered over the last let's say year of your life. Um it's easy to look at an athlete and go, man, you got the best life. You got drafted. You make big money playing a kid's game. You get to go to the ballpark every day. When you're not there, you're golfing with golf clubs that were probably given to you because you get to promote them and you know all these celebrities. But, man, you're on the world championship Dodgers. You get hurt right before the playoffs. You don't get to travel with the team. You're told you need Tommy John surgery. You have the surgery. Then it's all uphill from there with rehab and battling that. And at the same time as that, you don't get to be with the team again. And you know, you could be in there helping them right now, which we will talk a little bit about some of the struggles going on in LA and how you feel about it. But how hard mentally Caleb has it been to uh, to accept this i mean just not being there with your boys winning the title last year had to kick your ass right yeah yeah it definitely sucks um you know i had the option to go to the world series in texas um i could have flown down been there as a fan um you know i know our ex-pitching coach rick honeycutt was there uh multiple other people that are involved in the organization were there um but my thought was it's it really sucked watching it from the couch I couldn't imagine being in the stadium knowing that I would have been out there pitching, helping the team in any way that I could help the team. Um, You know, so I I decided to stay at home. Me and my fiance watched every single pitch. And um, I mean, yeah, it definitely sucked. I mean, the last like month of the season, man, was I mean, it was the high, the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows all within a couple of weeks of each other, um, for me, at least. And definitely sucked i mean it it um it'll suck the life right out of you for sure but here we are and we're getting better every day now and uh and we'll be back next year getting better some people look at professional sports like almost kind of like the racehorse or you know like a stud stallion or something that if you're not producing you're gone. You're out to pasture. We we ain't got time for it. We love you, but hey, if you if you're not producing, we don't love you that much. That's kind of yeah. can be the outlook on professional sports. How has it been in a culture like the Dodgers that's an American iconic culture of sports? Them and the Yankees could be the biggest of all time in baseball, if not for sure the biggest. Um yeah. you, you've had you have unbelievable personalities there like Vin and we just lost Tommy. But how does the organization take care of you? Do they even give a shit? Or, I mean, were oh, they man, calling yeah. you? Has it been amazing to see them They're put great. their... Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything everything the Dodgers do is, um, to me, it feels right. You know, they, they really care about you. They really try and take care of you. They really try and help you. Um, you know, whatever it is, you know, I mean, they just, they do a really good job. And, um, you know, it's a first-class organization and, you don't, you don't get the players that we have and and the staff that we have um, not treating people the right way. So, you know, it's definitely, a, it, you definitely have to earn respect of people. And, uh, and I think that's a good thing. And, and once you earn that respect, it's yours to lose. Um, and that's kind of the way I've, I've looked at it is you respect all the people that you run into when you're at Dodger stadium. And, and uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta earn the respect of everybody that you talk to. And, and, and then uh, once you do, man, it's yours to lose. So, 
and part of that respect is um, when you are part of that organization, they have certain expectations. You and I have discussed. Sure. You and I have discussed what is expected of you once you're on that hallowed ground, even when you're representing them out in public, on the road, an, an airplane flight, in a hotel lobby. This is a business, and they are going to be represented the right way. You put everything you had into this organization. You were on cloud nine. Take me through that roller coaster ride of the injury. Did you try to fake it until you make it with it and try to get away with it for the longest time? Did they know as soon as it happened? Take me through those days that, you know, leading up to them being like, hey, you need to go under the knife. Yeah. Um, so my guy, my guy, J-Bone, who's uh, one of our PTs there at the field, that's his, that's his nickname. His real name's uh, Jonathan, but I call him J-Bone. Don't ask why it was a nickname before I got there. But so, so he was the guy I worked with all year long, um, you know, and in baseball, it, it's normal to have arm soreness or arm disc. I mean, you're doing something that's not natural for your body to do. I mean, anytime you're moving something as fast as we are above your head, something's bound to happen and it's probably not going to be good. Um, you know, and, and, J-Bone worked with me all year long, man. He was great. I, I was very, everybody was very open to all, all year long with what was going on. Um, and, you know, to, to, re, to go back exactly what had happened was I threw in a Sunday night game in LA. And when I came out of that game, I'm like, something's definitely not right. So we got x-rays done that night. Fast forward a couple of days, it, it, the, the x-rays were clean. It showed a little bit of a bone spur on the back of my elbow, which we kind of had already figured was there because I, I had kept telling them it just feels super jointy pain, right? And when you have a bone that's not supposed to be there, that's going to be pretty painful on every throw that you make, right? Um, you know, and then fast forward a couple more days, we, we treated that. We did everything we could do there. I decided, you know what, let's try and keep throwing. I keep throwing everything, you know, we get to San Diego, um, you know, I'm warming up in the bullpen and I, I think everybody that was in the bullpen knew that something wasn't right. Um, I go out in that game and first pitch, I mean, it hurt, but I'm never really one to stop throwing. I mean, I've always just kind of kept throwing and that's probably what ends me up in a little bit of trouble at times. Um, keep throwing everything, you know, I throw the first pitch and it doesn't feel right, but I'm out on the mound. I got to compete. I don't want somebody else to have to rush up and get hot in our bullpen, risk an injury there because you got to rush a guy. Cause now I'm hurt, whatever, throw a second pitch. It pops on the second pitch and I'm still, you know, I'm thinking I'm not in pain, you know, like I can still throw. So I try and throw a third pitch and it pops again on the third pitch. Oh, God, you're making me. And, hurt. uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I, <laughs> funny I, I struck the guy out um with losing like three uh, probably five miles an hour on my fastball i struck the guy out on him and in, in three pitches on a guy that i don't really strike out very much i've faced him a couple different times and i i don't think i've ever struck him out do you think and, that the uh, popping so, noise was throwing him off <laughs> yeah i don't know what it was <laughs> probably the fact that my ball was like yeah, i was throwing a sinker and i don't even know how to throw a sinker if i try to learn how i don't yeah, know you, how. Were, you were you were totally confused yeah him. so you know and, and after that third pitch i called my trainer out and, and i told him i said look my elbows popped on the last two throws i said there's nothing there's nothing i can do you know and he said all right come out of the game so you know you go and you see the doctors you do all the things whatever and Funny, I, I pass every single test that they give me after the game. They they what you you have a bunch of these weird things that they put your elbow in in weird positions that's supposed to pull on that UCL to test and see how good your UCL is. I passed all those, and they're supposed to put you in pain if you have a torn UCL or uh, maybe not pain, but a discomfort. Right. So I pass all of them, and they give me an ultrasound. They give me X rays. I mean, they gave me multiple tests that night as soon as I came out of the game there at the stadium and I passed them all. Well, they called our team doctor who was back in LA and he goes, no, I want him in my office tomorrow. So luckily we had a car down there. So we, we load up in the car, me and my fiance, we drive back up, whatever. Next morning, like six thirty, seven o'clock rolls around. I'm in the MRI tube and, uh, and find out it was torn. Um, 
you know, and then doc doc obviously comes in. He's like, it's, it's your decision. I, I personally tried to say, look, what can I take? What can you give me that's safe that I'm not going to feel pain and I can finish out the season and go win a world series with my team, you know? And, and he just looked at me because there's nothing you can do. He's like, I can try and give you something, but he's like, I'm telling you now it's not going to work. Plus you're and taking by a that huge time, I mean, By that time, if you're looking at my, uh, I, this is my forearm, the inside of my forearm right here. I mean, it was probably like out to here. I mean, it was so swollen and sore. And I mean, there was just nothing that we were going to be able to do outside of surgery. That's going to fix it. So what, you know? what is it? What is it? What My is elbow, it? I know. Is it is it the is it the ulna nerve in, uh, or is it all of the stuff that's like in between the main bone and your funny bone in that area? Or so, where does this so injury you have occur? Your two bones. You have two bones. Like you can't even see it on my left elbow anymore. You see this bone and your elbow bone right here. Yeah, right? that's a two. I'm pointing at perv. Okay. Yeah. So the UCL connects here, runs in between these bones, and then connects again up here. So that's where the ulna nerve is, is right in between those two bones. The the, the ligament, yes, runs the, in between these. Okay. The nerve is somewhere. I don't know exactly where the nerve is. It's somewhere in here, yeah. But it runs in between these two, and I tore mine right in the middle of the two bones. Oh, where? Yeah. So this, this surgery is called Tommy John for a reason because – of who yep. he was in the major leagues. And now, you know, of, of course, technology and medical advancement has let this surgery be done a lot cleaner now than, say, in the 70s or 80s. Sure. How big is the incision? Um, uh, I don't know if you can see mine or not. Yeah, I can see it. So you're looking at what? So four inches? Oh, no, like it's way right, longer. Runs from like right here Yeah. down to like. Good night, dude. That's right a here. long one. Yeah, this one's a lot bigger than the other ones I've seen. And I don't know, maybe it was maybe maybe it being my second one, he had some more things that he saw that he wanted to clean up. I don't really know. He's the best doctor in the world, in my opinion, Neil Elitrach. And uh that's that's where I had that done. And then I've got two other little scars here and here that I had a I had a bone spur right here on the back of my elbow. That's where that bone spur was. So my arm was never able to really go fully straight with that bone spur in there. So he, he went in, scoped that bone out, grinded it all down, did whatever you do with that, and then opened up the elbow and, and fixed all the elbow and everything. Okay, so what – do they call it Tommy John because he was the first player to have it done to him? Yeah, yeah, I believe. I mean, that's that's all I've ever known it as, but – Is there – have you heard a medical – term of what they call this surgery everybody just says tommy john tommy john okay so what is the outlook in the in the in the medical world now and in like with your pts and your trainers down it doesn't scare people it doesn't anymore it's almost like they want is it almost like they want to get it because it makes your arm better well i i mean i don't want to say that you want to get it because you never want to have a surgery that you're taking the i mean dude there's people that get this surgery that don't really come back from this surgery. You know, the success rate is very, very high and everybody knows what they're doing to rehab this and do all that. But I don't want to say that you want to have the surgery done, but if you're in the draft or, you know, you're in pro bar already in college, whatever it is, like when you're looking at, at uh, medical records during the draft, a Tommy John surgery doesn't necessarily scare teams away because the success rate's so high it's so common anymore i mean dude anymore if you, if you don't throw mid 90s you really don't have a chance at making it to the big leagues that's crazy you know and that's the way the game is now and when you're throwing that hard something's got to give that thing in your elbow treats as a rubber band right so picture this is the ligament running from the from the top of my elbow to the bottom right every single time you throw that thing stretches now, every time you're stretching a rubber band, eventually that rubber band's going to go like this, and then it's going to go too far, right? And that's that's the way it's been explained to me was that, that thing treats as a rubber band in your elbow. So every single time you throw that that band or that ligament goes boom. I wonder boom. what keeps. I wonder what, eventually it's going to go too far. I wonder what keeps other pitchers from never having to get the surgery. I don't know. Because as far as I know, you can do everything in the world, but there's not. It's like an ACL is the best way to explain it because people are more common with ACL surgeries, right? 
I wonder if there's a study, and obviously there is, of a reliever, you have the opportunity to work almost every night if needed, if you're a middleman. So I wonder if that has something to do with it where more rest and like a starting rotation prevents starters from – because like Randy Johnson, Walker Buehler, guys on your team, guys in the history, Nolan Ryan that threw in the high 90s their entire career, I wonder if that those days off in that rotation helped them. You know, Walker's actually a Tommy John guy. Ta- so, Walker is, huh? So, yeah, you remember talking hey, – well, I just said that the draft doesn't necessarily scare people away when you're talking about Tommy John. He got Walker it when he was got, at, at He at got drafted, got his MRI done when he got drafted, and then had his surgery. Ooh, he was the first-round pick. And now yeah. he's now he's throwing hard as hard as ever. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. I, I don't – I don't know because they they do a very good job at giving us rest and and say you walk in one day and, and your arm doesn't feel great or something doesn't feel great and you tell the the pitching coach and the, and the manager hey look I need a day today they're gonna give you that day the only time where it's like hey man there's no days off now it's in the playoffs and I think every single guy that's involved there is like you know what I'm cool with not taking any days right now I'm ready like, to it's go. the playoffs you know I got what is it you you have to win. What is it? Eleven games or twelve? I don't know. Some odd number of games to win a World Series. Let's gear up and go. Right you know? Yeah, so, I'm not. I'm not taking any days here. With softball, you see a lot of softball college or Olympian female pitchers throwing several starts in a starting yeah. pitcher games in a week. Sometimes That's a insane. natural movement for the arm. Yeah, sometimes the same day. So this is a natural movement to throw underhand yep. to come up and over and and this motion. I'm I'm in my 40s now, and I threw about 12 baseballs to my nephew the other day, and I thought I was going to need Tommy John or just a new arm, just like a totally new arm. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't it doesn't feel good. So my question to you, Ferguson, is the 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 research and the science behind a pitching coach or a pitching instructor. Somebody that understands this part of the body and the biological makeup and the movement, the physicalities of it, you got to understand that there's got to be a lot of studies out there, right? That these guys have put their time in and that's why there's a certain way to throw a ball and there's a certain way not to throw a ball maybe because if you watch major leaguers, there is different arm actions on the pitching mound, catchers behind the ears, shortstops, outfielders, or thumb to the thigh, finger to the sky, coming up over the top, hit your cutoff, man. I wonder what the right way to throw a baseball overhand is. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there is, honestly. I think, and, and sidearm guys, the guys that throw like, you know, way down and they're bringing up dirt, like, I feel like those are the guys that never have injuries, right? And and all you ever knew was coming up was don't throw a sidearm, right? Don't throw a sidearm, not healthy, not healthy. I don't know if it's healthy or not. I don't think anybody really knows the healthiest way to throw a baseball. I, okay. I don't know, man. Well, I, I think luckily draw, I guess. I don't know. I don't know that there is the right way or a wrong way to do any of it. It's whatever's comfortable, but then it's just managing. It's managing your pitch counts. It's not ever using your arm. It's, it's, getting good workouts and getting sweats going, flushing your arm out. Like, I, I don't know. There's not really a, a good way to treat a ligament. What about know? position players? Does this surgery happen with center fielders or a shortstop? Corey Seager had it two, three years ago, whatever it was, our shortstop. He had, he had his Tommy John surgery, I want to say, in 2018. He did, huh? Oh, that's right. He did, yeah. That's right. 2018. Yeah, he did. He did. So I and, and I don't know. It's definitely a lot less common. But I mean, literally, the doc told me, he goes, dude, look, you guys are doing like one of the most unhumanly possible things with your arm, like at as hard as you guys are throwing, something's gonna give. Like you're <laughs> Your body's not supposed to move at as fast as we move it this way. Like anytime you go anything above your shoulder like this, you're putting yourself at harm whenever you're moving as fast as what everybody in Major League Baseball has to move. What's the most pitches you've ever thrown in a game, Caleb? I don't know. I probably have thrown like 120 and whenever I was starting, 110. Do you think that 
don't you think that physically that's when this injury would occur is in the starting rotation because of how many, how many times they're throwing the ball that day? Yeah, you would think you would think, I mean, I, I don't know, like Dustin Mays, a guy who, uh, who's with us and he just had his Tommy John surgery this past week. And yeah, I mean, he's a starter, but he also throws a hundred the way I look at it. And, and I could be totally wrong. So don't don't quote me and say say that I'm I'm this Doc, doctor. Doctor Ferguson yeah, said, yeah. But the way I look at it is, if you watch baseball and you follow baseball, the guys that go down with arm injuries seem to be the guys that are throwing ninety six to a hundred. The guys that are throwing, the guys, and, and there's no, I'm not discrediting guys that don't throw it that hard, but it seems to me like there's more Tommy John surgeries coming with the guys that throw above like 95, 96, than the guys that are 91, 92, 93. And I don't know if there's any science behind that, but just watching as like essentially a fan this year, that's what it seems like. So in your case, personally, did you get moved to middle relief from the starting rotation because of fatigue? No. Um, I got moved because of somebody, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. So whenever I got called up, it was in 2018 and like four out of our, out of our five starters were hurt all at the same time. So obviously then you're searching for starters. You need people that are built up to come up, but you also want to bring somebody up that you know is going to compete. Right? So I get called up. I go up there. I think I made three starts. The last guy that was coming off of the DL at that time was Kershaw. That guy's not going to the bullpen. <laughs> so, so I go, I go to the bullpen. My first ever time pitching out of the bullpen was in New York and it was Kershaw started the game for us. And DeGrom started the game for New York. Kershaw threw. I want to say he pitched three innings and that was like his rehab start. Cause he didn't go out and go to like a, uh, minor league affiliate at that time. He just did, he just did his slow buildup from there. So what I did was I matched up on days that I technically would have started a game. I matched up to come out of the bullpen to give us a little bit more length in the game after Kershaw had come out. So then I think that's, I, I just, I had a lot more success in the big leagues coming out of the bullpen. And I think it's just stuck with me. And then ever since then, I've just, been a reliever and I've embraced the role and I actually, I, I really love it now more than starting almost. So starting's fun, but it's, shit's hard, dude. Like, um, you wouldn't want to go back. You love, you love this role so much. What if they, what if the Dodgers yeah, said, we need I think you back? so. I think I love the role of, of being a bullpen guy and throwing back inning back, uh, the back innings of a game that I don't know, man, like the adrenaline when you're coming in and the, seventh right your starter goes seven and and he's got a guy on second say second third with two outs right and you get a big strikeout to pick up your starter it's like i don't know man that's a, it's a it's a cool feeling to have it's like i don't know it's something i would have never got to feel as a starter and then like i can pitch i can pitch three out of five days and it's like you get to pitch one out of every five you know and then you're bored yeah but you don't get to I, golf. I don't know you don't I get, get to golf as much yeah, exactly. I get like super bored whenever I'm like watching baseball. Like when I'm in the bullpen, like I have to be locked in every single night. And it's like, wait, I have the chance to go play tonight every single night. Whereas a starter, you're like, oh man, I get to play once this week, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But like their job is so hard. So I don't know. I mean, I, I like doing them both, but I, I think being able to pitch more is, is fun. I don't know. No, I mean I couldn't I couldn't argue with you like my mentality of wanting to be in the action all the time, but there is something to be said about being a starting pitcher and going out there and manhandling and getting a 20-win season, absolutely. you know, out of, out of yeah, 40 I mean, starts absolutely. It's an amazing like to be to, to go out and like as a starter and have the career like Kershaw had. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, like think about like being Walker, right? Like, you know, Walker, you've talked to him a couple of times. He goes out and he strikes out like 10 or 12 people every time. He's on a different level. He's on a different level. He's on a different level, dude. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. 
he's going to have that career, I think, of where he's he just he he's a competitor. He's going to have a good career. But what? Give me some insight on Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Will Smith. How do they react to your injury? Do they call you up and say, "Bro, I'm sorry"? Does does I mean, does, yeah, everybody, yeah. Does I mean, Clay, that, does, Clayton, does Clayton tell you like, "Hey, man, stick with it. You'll come out of this." Is he a pep- yeah? I mean, everybody does. I mean. It, Everybody reached out to me, you know, within the next couple of days, whenever the news came out that I was going to have to have surgery, I had every, almost every single person, if not every single person on the team reach out to me, man. And like every time, every time somebody goes down with an injury, you don't like, I, I can't speak for everybody else, but I know for me, I, whether they're on my team or not, I hate watching people get hurt. Like I, I hate watching it on TV. I wouldn't wish people to get hurt. Like no matter how much I do or don't like, like you, I don't know, man. So it's like everybody reaches out to you. Everybody wishes, wishes the best for you. And, and, you know, like, I mean, that's just it. Like I've known Walker a long time. Walker texted me literally as soon as I came out of the game, I had a text from Walker. Um, you know, I, I saw curse the following days in LA after my surgery and he came up, talk to me, whatever, you know, see how I'm doing. Will's one of my closest friends. And I, I talked to Will quite a bit and, um, yeah, I mean, all those guys, man. I, I had JT texting me, you know, like all these guys, man. And, and you know, they're your teammates and and there's nothing anybody can do, man. That, that kind of stuff just happens and here we are. Justin, now I get to play, play a lot of golf, watch the, watch the game every night and <laughs> go do my rehab every day. When you say JT texts you, do you mean Justin Turner or Justin Timberlake? Justin Turner, I wish Timberlake. <laughs> we all we all need to we all need to go to a Timberlake show sometime. I actually, he was in spring training a couple of years ago, and I went. It's it's he puts on a good show. There's he's, no doubt. He's so awesome. Yeah. So you are golfing a lot. This when I see it on your social media, I. I don't know if I'm acting like a father, but it worries me a little bit, kid. Like, I mean, you're you're not ready for this yet. You're you've got a chance to be a big time major leaguer money earner. Why are you out there putting your arms and your body through that when you just came out of Tommy John? Well, are you cleared to I do so? Done it. The the doc and the trainer, everybody's on board and and told me I'm good. I'm one of the guys who I have to be doing something or I get extremely bored. And when I get bored, it's not good. And I don't know my way of not being, but I mean, dude, I go to the field for like four and a half hours a day. And then I have the rest of the day to do what, what are you doing at the field? Are you tossing yet? Are you short tossing? I am. Yeah, I am throwing. I'm out to like 120 feet right now. Are you really? Yeah. I'm throwing next week. This is my last week of throwing three times a week. And then I'll throw four times a week uh, next week for I don't know. Next couple months, probably. Will you make your Dodgers return this year? Because I'm thinking they might need no. you. No, no, I won't. I won't. Yeah, I, I really tried to rally around pitching again this year in September, and they shut it down almost immediately. They let me finish my sentence and then tell me I wasn't going to. <laughs> so you're going to have all of this calendar year. Plus, you're going to report with pitchers and catchers in February back to Scottsdale or Phoenix area. Um, so you're going to be fully 100% repaired and recovered and therapy done by the time spring training 2022 starts. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably have a little bit of like rehab things and like a little bit of a schedule that I need to follow still, just because it, it is still fairly new. You know, I mean, anymore, you're not fully cleared off of rehab until like 14, 15 months range month range, I would say. So in spring training, I'll probably be, I would say be a little bit behind, I guess you can say, but I'll be pitching in games. I'll be competing for a spot in the bullpen and, and things will be getting back to normal at that time. So with the way your arm feels right now at this 120 foot distance, which is, I don't know, that's, let's, let's say that that's about 30 feet past home to first. Um, does it feel normal or do you yeah, ever, it does. is there any, yeah. fry, is there any fear at all when you go to throw the ball after a surgery like this? Yeah, for sure. I think that's actually the biggest part of it is getting over that fear of, is it going to happen again? I mean, I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest step in this surgery is, is just finally letting yourself go and not having it in the back of your head. Every time you go to make a throw of, Oh man, this UCL could pop on me again at any moment. I mean, I think, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I truly think that's probably the biggest thing is, is just getting that thought out of your head on every single throw because it is. And even for me, it's still in my head on every single throw, but I try to just up intensity a little bit more each day. And I think that's how I'm going to get out of that because eventually I'll be back to hundred percent and throwing. And it's like, if I'm, if I'm throwing a fastball or if, if I'm throwing a slider as hard as I can throw it and it's, and nothing's happening to it, I'm good to go, you know? And once you can get that thought out of your head, I think you're, you're back. Did you, did you have that dad that said no sliders, no curveballs until you're a certain age Were your coaches? No, no. My, my dad was always a big football guy. Um, he, he didn't know really anything about baseball until I started getting pitching lesson lessons, which was my freshman year of high school. Oh shit. And I had a guy by the name of TJ Hill. I had no idea how to even throw a curveball or a slider or any of that. Really. I wasn't very good in my freshman year of high school. And I started getting pitching lessons. I had this guy, my, my pitching coach, who I still talk to um, TJ Hill taught me how to throw a curveball, um, you know, and then just kind of from there, he, he, he actually told me after my first pitching lesson with him, he said, if you stick with baseball, you'll get drafted out of high school. And I looked right at my dad and I said, this guy's crazy. He turned out he was right. So you, you're a freshman in high school at 15, 16 years old, 15 years old, and you're drafted three years after this. Yeah. And I would, and I would have called any, anybody could have told me that. And I would have told them they were crazy. I had played football my whole life. My brother played college football. My dad had offers to go play college football. My family was football and I love football and I still do like, like I'll still grab the football and throw the football. And he looked right at me and I go, all right, well, let's give this a try. (laughs) Started playing baseball and here we are. So do you think that you, your instruction from that time to the time you were drafted, was it so legit or was this had to be a lot of God given talent to transition into being a baseball pitcher that good to get the Dodgers to invest in you this way? Yeah. I mean, I I think obviously, you know, a a lot of guys that are in the big leagues, if not every guy, it's a God given talent, any professional athlete, you have a God given talent, right? Because at some point, no matter how much work you give in, like people are just going to be better than you still. And that's the God given part of it. Right. Yeah. And for me, it was, I would do two, maybe three lessons a week. I was doing workouts. I was doing all these things. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think eventually it all just clicked for me. And when it did, it was, it was, I mean, I, I got through a lot of it pretty quickly and I, I got the hang of it quick too. I mean, it, it came pretty natural to me whenever I started doing it. So. And you go in what round? Uh, 38th. I was actually hurt. So my first Tommy John was two days after I graduated high school. You've already had two. Yeah. This is my second one. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I had my, my first one was whenever I graduated, literally it was, I tore it my senior year. I remember this, the start. I remember who I was pitching against because I was actually buddies with them and tore it in high school agent at the time had said, all right, I'm just going to blame it. I had some uh, scrapes up and down my arm from sliding. And uh, he said, all right, I'm just going to blame it on the scrapes on your arm. And we're just going to say that they're bugging you and they're pulling on your skin every time you throw. So we did that got an MRI and everything and, and figured out it was torn. And the doctor's like, here, put this brace on, finish out your senior year. We'll do the surgery after you graduate. Did the surgery draft came around. And I think the draft was in like June, maybe draft comes around drafted in the 38th round. Didn't really know. I'm like, am I going to sign? Am I going to go to school? What am I going to do? Figured, you know what? I'm only going to get one chance at this thing. I might as well do it now. Signed in the 38th round was really nobody in the organization for a really long time. Had to pitch my way into everything I did because I wasn't, I didn't get a lot of money. I was a 38th rounder out of high school, young kid. Right. And then just worked my way through the system and 
just kind of did my own thing and said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, it's all on me to make it happen. And that's what I did. I just put my head down and went to work. Meaning what? What does it just take? Just, what does it take, Caleb? What does it take to get to that next level? Because 38th round, your odds are down there of making it. You get to show up at spring training, rookie ball. Um, you're not a guy that they're looking at like, oh, this is one of our top 10 prospects. You're probably not in Baseball America for the top nothing. prospects in the Dodgers organization. The, here we go back to the how we started this conversation is that this shit is not given to you. It's earned, right? Yep. You don't you don't just be you don't just have a name Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers go, oh, you look good enough to pitch for us. You got to be a badass to do what the kids did with his Cy Young Awards and what you're doing, right? What does yeah, it take? What, mean, does it take? Just, what does it take? What does it take? Just work. I don't know. Like I don't know because I want people to think work means you go out and you throw. 50, 60 pitches every day because that's what's going to make you better because it's not, you're going to end up on the shelf like me. I don't know. It, it's just, I don't know, dude. It's, it's a lot of listening, a lot of watching. I mean, okay, well, let's, I, let's say this. Let's ask this. What do you do when nobody's looking? Are you still working out or do you only work out when you're at the, at the, at the clubhouse in the off season? Are you that guy that gets out of bed and knows that you have a role to play and you're going to be in the best shape of your life? Is that, was that your mentality to, to win yeah, a spot? With I mean, the Dodgers? Dude, my off seasons were huge for me. I, I would go back home and, and I never really completely stopped throwing. I would stop for the longest I've ever stopped was like two weeks. I would stop for two weeks of no throwing at all. And then I would do throwing, but on top of my throwing, I was always a guy who would, I had to just figure out how I was going to repeat every single throw. Like repeatability is so big and being able to repeat your throw every single time. Like when you go watch these guys that are super elite, man, like the spike holes on the mound are in the same spot every time. That's how much they can repeat it. Right. And that was always preached to me. And I never realized whenever I was young and in high school, how important and how much repeating your delivery or repeating your throw was until I started to really lock it in and focus on that. And then when I did that, everything else just kind of came easy, I guess I should say not easy, but like it just flowed together better. And, and I think that's probably one of the biggest things is, Every offseason, I go home and I still work with a pitching coach who's the pitching coach at Ohio State now. And I go home and I work with him and I'm like, man, we got to figure out like we're still even to this day, I'll go home this offseason and I'll go work with that guy and we'll find something new that I'm doing wrong that I wasn't doing. So it's constant. You're constantly changing and you're constantly adapting to different ways that your body moves. And just I, I don't know the work, the work stops, but it never stops. Like, I, I'm not one of those guys who's doing like overkill work. I mean, once my work's done for the day, I'm done. And I, and I get away from baseball and I don't, don't try and drive myself crazy with baseball because I don't know, I'm just not one of those guys. Like I'm obsessed with my work when I'm doing my work, but once I'm done, I'm done. And, and like, I try to focus like in the off season, I try to go about three hours of me just really locking it in on what I'm doing. And once I'm done, I'm done, you know, three and a half, four hours, at anything I can master within that time is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to take my off season. I'm going to get away from the game. I'm going to go enjoy the hobbies that I like to do. I'm going to go hunt. I'm going to go fish. If it's warm enough in Ohio, I'm going to go play golf. I'm going to go get away from the game, let my mind reset and then go back and do the same thing the next day, I guess. So with that ability to, to adapt and you, you mentioned, you know, you go back to Ohio and you might have to change something mechanically, delivery, your arm speed, whatever it is, your plant foot, your follow through, your kick. I mean, there's just so much that goes into being a legitimate major league baseball pitcher. What is the outlook right now as you're in camp there and, and you know, in the Dodgers organization, you're down there at their HQ, their spring training headquarters. Will you have to change your delivery? Will you have to change the pitches that you were successful with before? Will you still be able to have a, a good slide piece, a good or a, 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 will your fastball still be dominating? Yeah, you know, I, I that's obviously the goal, and that's what we're trying to get back to. Um, and, and I'm sure, like I can almost guarantee you that I'm going to have to change something because something's going to be different now than where I was before I got hurt. Ideally, you want to get back to where you were before you got hurt. 
but pain free. Right. And, and I mean, just, I mean, guys are bad guys battle delivery things daily, man. I mean, your, your body's weird, man. It, it, it does different things every single day and you feel different every single day. And it's just being able to figure out how to feel all right on those really bad days. You know, that makes yeah, sense. hundred percent. But there still has to be the part about your professional life now and the guys that are in charge of this, do they want you to stop throwing a certain pitch or are they going to say, Hey, it's up to you and how you feel, or do they monitor this of like, you might not be able to throw a slider anymore or a cut yeah. fastball or something. Yeah. They, they monitor almost everything that we do. Um, I don't think I'm going to have to stop throwing any pitch. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think me throwing a certain pitch or me doing a certain thing is, is what caused my surgery. I just think my surgery just, or my injury or whatever you want to call it, it just happened. Like, I don't, it, there was a little bit of a lead up with the bone spur and everything. Right. But every test they gave me, every, every, everything they did for me all, all year long, never, ever indicated towards Tommy John. That's why everybody, whenever it happened, was so confused because there was nothing that was indicating Tommy John. You know, they, they gave me all these tests. They did imaging. They did all these things and everything was always good. They just knew I had that bone spur. And I think that's why is that bone spur just somehow <laughs> caused my elbow to pop. You're a player. So, on the world. Had, so to answer your question, no, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to change the way I throw my fastball. I'm not going to change a slider or curveball or do any of that. I, I think now it's just a matter of being able to get back to repeating every single throw and every single pitch again. You're a member of the 2020 world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. You have a ring to prove it. You weren't in the dugout when it happened, but we've already discussed that. We all understand why. But you were still an intricate part of the success of that team. You're sitting back watching your brothers play right now, wishing you could be out there. Here's the other part of the mentality of a professional athlete. God-given talent and work ethic. You're not, you're not sitting there right now with a guaranteed job on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh. This is where focus and mentality and determination come into play more than ever of – this is my livelihood. This is my second surgery. I want to be uh, become a Dodger again, but it's not guaranteed. You could be replaced in an instance if you don't if the, if this surgery doesn't take, if the rehabilitation doesn't take, and you come back better than ever, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just part of it. Like I, I, I try not to ever think that I'm, I've like secured my spot and or secured my role in a bullpen in the bullpen. Like, I don't know. I've just, I'm, I'd love to compete, man. Like I'm so competitive with everything that I do. And, and I think that's what makes our team so good too, is like all those guys are the same way. Like you go out, like, I don't know, somebody say somebody goes out in the, in the sixth inning. Right. And they strike out, all three guys, right? Put up a zero, great inning, right? That next guy out is trying to do the same thing. Like we're all trying to beat each other almost. I don't know. It sounds, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just, I don't know, man. I'm competitive. I like to compete. I don't, I don't ever want to think that I have a role or I have a, a secured spot because when that kind of stuff happens, at least for me, whenever I, if I do start thinking that way, bad things tend to happen for me. Like I get comfortable. I get lazy with my work. I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm always trying to, to compete and just be better every single day. Do you think your competitiveness ever gets in your way of understanding things that there are more important things in life than winning? Are you able to get away from that competitiveness to where you might be able to go out and enjoy a hunt and not have to kill the most ducks or catch the most fish or the yeah, biggest or kill the biggest Actually, deer. I, yeah, I think that's that's where having all these hobbies that I do, like my fiance says it best, man. She'll be like, You have one hobby that you'll get so obsessed with over like two and a half, three weeks, and then you'll get a completely different hobby. 
And I think it's because I try to be the best at every single thing that I do, no matter what it is like golf, for example, like whenever I, whenever I, uh, first got cleared to play golf, I was trying to go hit golf balls every single day, you know? And it's like, I just get, I get like obsessed. So I try to now figure out a way where like, I can just keep all these hobbies that I like to do and just enjoy it. Like just, just enjoy the fact that I have a job where I'm allowed to go home for four months and they're going to trust, trust that I'm doing my workouts that I'm throwing, but I can go hunt every single day for four months and enjoy and enjoy the hunt, whether I kill a limit of ducks or a limit of geese, or I don't kill anything, but enjoy spending time with my friends, spending time with my dad, like being out there, seeing birds, seeing birds work, right? Just, I don't know, man. I, I, I think I used to let that get in the way, right? Like I used to think everything was a competition. And then I think I still think that way a little bit at the field and in terms of the game, I still think it's a competition, but anything else I do outside of that is now fun. Like that's, that's my hobby. That's my reset away from baseball. Like when I leave the field, you won't see me talk about baseball. I struggle at times to even sit down and watch baseball. You know, like I, I, I just, I just don't like, I, I try to take myself out of all that, man. Like go home, I'll play video games, talk to my buddy on the phone, like whatever it is. I, I try to just get myself away from baseball to give myself that reset and not just get so brainwashed into thinking of what I'm doing. Like just have fun with whatever it is. Do you feel that ego has ever gotten in your way with your success or have you always been able to stay grounded and understand this mentality that nothing's given to you. I need to keep working or has ego ever Um, stepped in and you've been like, Oh shit, I better, I better find myself again. You know, my parents, both of them had always preached to me. And and one of the, the lines that I always stick with is never to let my highs get too high and my lows get too low. Like always trying to just stay right on that even line. Like no matter how life's going, just stay right here. Right. And, and I think that's what I've, what I've always done. Now I will say like 2018, I get caught up. Right. And I'm having a little bit of success out of the bullpen, you know, like everything's still really new to me. I'm having success. I'm, I'm living out my dream. I'm pitching to the big leagues, flying all over the place. Right. Like seeing all these new places. Um, and I think I did get a little bit too comfortable there. And then in 19, I sucked. I wasn't good. And it was on me to have to figure out how to be good again. And, and I think that's just it is, is I let my highs get a little bit too high for me there in 18 going into 19 and then, uh, and then figuring that out. Now it's just like, I'm just, I'm just trying to ride the wave, bro. Just, just stay right here and, and just do what I do, no matter how good I am or how bad I suck, just try to be the same guy every single day. And that's, and that's really what I try and do. How was the 20 season going for you before the pop? Good. You were throwing yeah, the ball I, well. I, it was going good, man. I, I kind of like established who I was and what kind of pitcher I was because I don't know, man, I was young. I wanted to try all these different things, try to make the ball move in certain ways. I wanted, I don't know what I really wanted. Going to the off season after 19 and just told myself, look, this, I'm committing to being this kind of a pitcher and this is what I'm going to do. This is what everybody's been telling me I need to do. I was caught in my own way of, no, this is who I think I am. Turns out people that are telling me what I need to do were right. Should have listened, but competitiveness and and me being young and dumb got in my own way. And going to the off season, I said, all right, it's time for me to just master these three things. It's, I mean, it's three things. If I, if I can't master three things, what am I doing? Right. Go into the off season and I master it. And now now that it was, I, I shouldn't say mastered because every day, like you're working to get better, but I've learned how to throw the ball at the top of the strike. And once I learned how to do that, everything else came easy to me because that is where my best throw is. Meaning my best pitch is at the top of the strike zone. So once I figured out and mastered how to do that, everything else kind of just fell into place. 
you're saying that your success comes with a high heater out of the strike zone and getting somebody to no. chase it? Yeah. Why does it rise? Because it's an illusion that looks like it's going to be in the strike zone, yeah. but it exits it. Yeah, it looks like it looks like it's going to keep going up, or maybe it does. I don't really know. To be to be completely honest with you, there's these crazy ass analytics that are in baseball, and some people really understand them and like buy into it. I, I'm one of the guys who doesn't fully understand it, but buys into it. Well, like I, I try not to understand them. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm one of the guys that's like, Hey, look, give me the ball. Tell the catcher where, where he wants me to throw the ball at. Tell the catcher to set up there. I'm going to try and throw the ball there. That's it. Don't tell me anything else. Like, give me the ball. I'm going to go, I'm going to throw fastballs at the top of the zone and I'm going to try and bounce my slider. But you obviously have a, you have a scouting report that you're going off of these hitters and that's where the catcher's telling you to throw the ball. Yeah. Right. So it's your job to hit spots. Yes, it's your job to do that. And can you? And that's hit- all. That's all goes into the off season, right? Of in after the the nineteenth season going into twenty twenty is seeing okay. Every single time I pitch, they want me to throw the ball. If this is their strike zone, they want me to throw the ball up here every single time, right? If this is the top of the strike zone, they want me to be up here. Before I was like middle down, like that's not me. You know, I need to be up here. So it's mastering what what's you, and and I think I've kind of finally figured out how I guess to master that in a way that would give me a little bit of success, um, and now I'm just trying to build off that. Three years ago, four years ago, you're a high school pitcher in the state of Ohio. You are now a major league pitcher. Give me some of the most memorable. Who have you struck out? That you remember watching on TV and going, oh wow, that guy's a stud. Who is it? Have you have you faced Trout? I don't think so. Didn't face Trout. The one that the one that comes to mind right now, and there's probably more, but I, dude, I'm really bad at this. Like, hey, did you ever face this guy? I don't. I don't you don't know. even know the names of the players. I yeah, I, I don't know. The one that really comes to mind right now is Otani. Really? Yeah. He's another angel. That's the right? only guy that comes to mind, but like that guy's really good, bro. There's going to be times where he probably clips me and hits a homer. But you, you struck know? him out. I did, yeah. He's another angel, right? He is an angel. He's also a relief pitcher. Starter. 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 <laughs> that guy's yeah. That's a freak, dude. Crazy town, and he swings from the left side of the plate, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. What'd you get him on? High heat, or did you get him in the dirt? No, I got him on a fastball down. Fastball down. Did he? Well, look yeah, at him swinging. Twenty nineteen, and I'm I'm not supposed to throw the ball down, and I threw it down. Looking <laughs> or swinging? Uh, I don't remember. Looking, I think. What's your fastest pitch on a jugs or a radar gun so far in a game? Do you know? Do they tell you? Um, it came up on the scoreboard at ninety eight, but it was like ninety seven point six or seven, so. You got to round up and give me the 98, I think. I wonder how far I would hit that. I'm just visioning it right now. Like, I would probably go deep over the left center gap off of that pitch off of you. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. If if it's I, hard- hey, if that was it, I would quit playing baseball if you got a hit off of me. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to send you some videos, buddy. Hey, hey, there's no way. Your eyes aren't what they used to be, bro. I know, but I'm getting lens retraction pretty soon. Refraction pretty soon. I'm (laughs) at brand new vision. I honestly think I've stood in against some ballers, some you know college pitchers back in the day, and then I've got to go in and just stand there and see what it's like. I I can't process the game very good, and I thought I was good at it at one time. But when Bartolo Colon struck me out, bro. Dude, it's- I, I, hey, I remember, I remember that game in New York when Kershaw started it. My first ever relief appearance was against Degrom, and we're hitting, and I'm hitting right. It's There's like just the no way. Inning. It's like the fifth inning. I'm hitting. He threw me two fastballs that I didn't see. You didn't even see him. Dude, I'm coming from Ohio, where like the average high schooler throws like 72. <laughs> you know, I didn't even see the ball. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I've been Dude, in there. I'm I, like, how those guys do, I mean, it might be a little bit different now. Like, no, it's not. Know, maybe I could go up there now. No, and, you and can't. At least see it. But like, dude, I remember he threw, and I'm like, dude, I, I didn't even see the ball, you know? So yeah. like how some of these guys do it, dude, I, I don't know. 
it, it amazes me every single time. I tell him all the time, like, like Bellinger's down here rehabbing right now. And I tell him, well, he's hitting off the machine. And I'm like, dude, there's no way I would even come close to hitting that. And it's, I mean, he, he's doing it, dude. And I'm like, how the hell are you doing that? Like, I don't even see the ball. Um, yeah, like I, I don't understand the reaction time. Like it's milliseconds, right? To, to, to be able to spot the rotation of that ball and pick up the thread or the dot or the spin or whatever. And then to know that it's going to be thrown on different parts of the plate and in different parts of the hitting zone. It blows my mind that people can hit the ball that consistent. And that's why you're considered an all-star if you only do it three out of 10 times. Hey, it blows my mind too, man. I I've always said like hitting is so crazy to me. Like, I, and, and like when you ask them, like, like when you ask a hitter who takes a pitch, right. And it's that far out of that little box on TV. Like when you ask those guys, they're, they're like, yeah, I knew that was out. Like I, I knew it, you know? And I'm like, how do you know that though? Like I'm, I'm swinging. If it's even like remotely, like if it's in like a bubble, I know around the zone. You know what I mean? Like, and, and those guys are taking them and they're like, and it, dude, it amazes me too. I, that's and I don't why, know they, that's why thinking about somebody and I don't care about the asterisks or the, the poor, the P the, you know, PEDs or whatever that it was, but Barry Bonds would literally get one pitch a game and he would lose it into McCovey Cove and he would get intentionally, yeah. he get intentionally walked all the time. He led the league in the walks. Yeah. I mean, they'd walk the guy when the bases were juiced and, and, right. uh, and he would get that one pitch, Caleb, and he would hit it a country mile. And that just showed you the dude had un- – steroids don't help you do that. I know what they help you with, and I get it. I understand all that. I don't care. I just know that it is tough to persuade me that he's not the best hitter of all time. It's hard It's hard for anybody to persuade me that. And I know Trout's on his way, but it's hard for people to yeah. persuade me that Bonds isn't. Because Bonds yeah, is special, I, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely do not disagree with you, like – steroids doesn't make you know what pitch is coming or or anything like it that it keeps you them healthier it keeps them in shape it keeps them sure uh, yeah in, it makes you know, them strong it does all that but like to know to get one pitch a game and it was damn near a homer like every time yeah 77 70 something crazy. times that year yeah i mean it's crazy all right, so, where do we go from here? We could talk baseball all day, but we we're gonna we'll have to we'll have to schedule another one. See how the rehab's continuing to go. I'm probably cutting into your golf game right now because that's all y'all no, do. No, down I there went this Arizona. morning. You're good. I went this morning. Went this morning. God, what a morning. life! I know. I want your life. Hey, sometimes I, you do. I want your life. I want to be pitching in the show. All right, <laughs> well keep 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 me in the loop. Let's get on here again in a couple weeks or a month or so. Let me know how how it's going. I hope the Dodgers start getting a little bit, uh, a little bit going together again. I mean, I yeah, know that they, hey, they got some things going, dude. They'll be fine. They'll We're be fine. Like, Are you kidding? They're going to be great. They'll be fine. I know. I know. I'm just saying I like watching them win. I'm also, <laughs> I, I got so many buddies in the show, you know, it's hard for me to pick one team, but I might, there's, a, there's, some, there's, there's some good teams out there, you know, there's some good teams. <laughs> hey, I even had Hater come on here and that dude is filthy. And I even watched yeah, the Brewers. I watched the Brewers a little bit, man. I mean, I watched yeah, the that, Brewers. That guy's on a different world, dude. He's, dude. he's unreal good. It's special to watch. I like watching Hater throw. So do One uh, of his buddies, uh, uh, Corey Knievel's coming back into town. Big outdoors guy. I, I think he's a big podcast guy too. I'm going to talk to him when he gets in here. He gets in at the end of the week, and I'm going to talk to him. For you. Yeah, he's, on our, he's on our team now. He's with the Brewers for a while. He knows yeah. Hater, Hater pretty well. I know uh, who he is. He's a stud. So, so I'll talk to him. But yeah, talk I'm, to him. I'm, Let I'm, me know. I'm, keep- I'm going to talk to my agent again today on if he has anybody in in baseball that likes to do podcasts. Um, oh, they all team, do. But yeah, I mean, they all do. You the man, Caleb Ferguson, Los Angeles Dodgers, rehab assignment right now. We're going to keep an eye on our little brother right now. Make sure he comes back. Hey, and here, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, bro. If you need me to fly down there, send a plane for me. I'll bring duck calls to give you lessons. I'll bring a bat so I can hit a couple bombs off you. I'll let hey, you get I'm competitive again. right now. <laughs> no, you can come down and bring duck calls. I'll show you how to blow one. Yeah, I need some help bad, like bad help, <laughs> bad help. All right, brother, I appreciate you. Any Any closing words? No, get me back on here again, dude. I'll I'll be in touch and and we'll get another show going. Can't wait. That's Caleb Ferguson, Los Angeles Dodgers. This life ain't for everybody.
brought to you by Jack Daniels, Tennessee Southern Match Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us here at Banded and Avery and Jargon and the Foul Life. American Almond Beef, the provider. This life ain't for everybody where the payment ends. We're so blessed with our family of brands. We owe it all to you guys and girls for all the support over the last decade. We continue to try to be diverse and bring you out of the box. Unorthodox entertainment and content. Hopefully y'all are enjoying that. Thank you for the subscriptions and the downloads for all of our podcasts. We're going to keep it up. Y'all take care. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is my good friend, Leith Lofton, a.k.a. Haas. What you going to do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you going to do when the money's all gone?